Acts chapter number 9, verse number 23, the Bible says this, And after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. It's speaking of Paul. But the lying await was known of Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down by the wall in a basket. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day and just glad to be in this place. Lord, my heart's stirred tonight. Enjoyed the singing, Lord. I appreciate your touch on the singing, just the devotion hour. Just good in here, Lord. The whole day was good. And we thank you for each and every one that's come out of this place tonight, Lord. And as we stand in this place, Lord, I can be excited and I can be all those things. And those are good, Lord, but I can't do anything without your touch. I need the touch of God tonight. Help me to effectively communicate the Word of God, Lord. I pray tonight there'll be a lot of right responses to the Word of God. I, we need to respond to it, Lord. We need our hearts. I mean, we always respond to it, but we need to make right responses to the Word of God. Help us to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost tonight, Lord. Help us to say everything we should say. Give us boldness, Lord. And, and God, just, just give me some unction to preach, I pray. In Jesus' name we ask it all. Amen. I'm going to preach on this thought tonight. We need a hand. We need a hand tonight. Stay with me. It'll, it'll, it'll catch there. And I'm going to catch you up to this passage of Scripture. Now, after Paul was saved, this is, this is Paul's uh, testimony. And, and may I say, if you read the book of Acts, Paul never got over his testimony. He tells it multiple more times and references back here. But after he was saved, he was found in Damascus blind. I mean, he saw the Lord so well that he couldn't see anything else. That's what, he couldn't see anything else at the time. And, 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 and God sent Ananias to Paul to put his hands on him so that he could receive his sight, receive his vision. And Paul received his vision. If you read here, he was baptized, he got some supper, and he went preaching. That's what happens in these verses. And, and we find that Paul, who in Acts chapter number 9, was on his way to put Christians in church. As we see the great turn in his life, as Tom preached about Rahab turned things around. Well, listen, Paul got things turned around too, and he was headed to put people in prison. And when, hey, after he met Jesus, hey, he was helping people get out of prison. They're talking about the prison of sin. I'm talking he was talking about helping preach in Christ and, and he was going around preaching Jesus and he was proving Christ. You'll find that in the scriptures. You say, what's that mean? He was taking the word of God and proving that Jesus was the Christ. May I say, the doctrine of Christ is, one of the, is the most important thing we have. It's a foundational thing here. And, and it was confounding the Jews at Damascus. Now, after many days of this, and the rest of his life was this way, Everywhere he went, he stirred. Not, he didn't go with intention to stir people up. But I'm telling you what, the gospel, it stirred people up. Uh, it's going to stir them up one or two ways. They're going to get saved or they're going to fight against you. That's just what you see in the scriptures. But after many days of this, the Jews took counsel to kill Paul. And they watched day and night at the gates of the city to kill him. Now, if you read 2 Corinthians 11, the last three or two, two verses of that chapter, you'll read there that, that the governor of Damascus, not just the Jews, but the governor of Damascus, he had a garrison of men keeping the city. I want you to, I'm trying to lay a scene to you here for a minute and, 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 and notice 
what's going on here. Paul is preaching Christ. He's doing the will of God. I mean, there's been a, uh, he's been born again, and I mean, he's, he's just doing everything that he can, and the world is fighting against him. Religion's fighting against him. But what we find here is that in this dark hour, he and there were still some others in that place that were willing and ready to serve God. And that's what was going on here. But, but in the darkness of the, you, you read that passage in, in verse number 11, uh, of chapter number 11 of 2 Corinthians, you'll find that it was dark. And the picture is said here, there was a window in the wall. I don't know, I don't know much about Damascus. But apparently, based on the passages of scriptures, there wasn't very many ways in because the gates were being kept, but there was a window out. And there wasn't a scarlet cord laid here, but there was some men that had a basket. And I don't know, and I envision, I assume they had some rope. I don't know how they did it. They may have done it with a bunch of towels or a bunch of old clothes. We don't know how they got it. But we know this, there was a preacher in a basket, and they let the preacher down the wall so that he could keep on preaching. And, and, and this is important because in this same chapter, Paul, or the Lord says this. He tells Ananias, he says, listen, Paul is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles. We ought to stop right there and say, thank God there were some people willing to let this man down in the basket. You know who Gentiles are? You know who that message was for? That's for you and I, thank God. And, and listen to me. As we come here to this passage, we see the disciples in here. We don't know any of their names, but, and we don't know which ones they were but here we do know this they did at least three things first they protected Paul now the word protect means to cover or to shield from danger to defend to guard to preserve in safety but not only did they protect Paul, they, they, uh, they supported Paul. Now think about this for a second. I was trying to think, and then I thought, I'm not going to say that because it, it wouldn't make any sense anyways. I'm trying to figure out the mathematics. So there's a science to this. Well, if this man, I don't know how big Paul was. I'm going to say he was probably the perfect size, 5'11", 185, and loved Coca-Cola. So that's what I figured. Y'all right, don't know, and I don't know either. But he could have been there, and I was trying to think, well, how many men and how long of a rope or how long would it be, how much would it take to hold him and let him down safely they couldn't just throw him out if it had been that easy he wouldn't need people to let him down they had to let him down but they had to make sure when he got down the bottom and he wasn't crushed when he got there and and and, and they supported him that's what they were doing here that that they, they sustained him uh and, and listen we're to sustain there's something you and i got to do to sustain the word support means to sustain or uphold i'm getting ahead of myself but I, i'm just excited y'all pray for me and listen finally here's what they did they furthered him Think about this for a second. He, I don't, many days had taken place, but there was many churches. There was many letters to be penned. There was many millions of people to be saved. You know what these, these, these disciples did? They furthered him. I mean, I, and I look at that, that word further. I, I want you to think about it. They, they advanced and they helped this because they helped Paul escape. Paul could move forward in the will of God. And, and that word further means forward, to promote, to advance onward. Listen to me. We are to stand, but stand is not in a defensive, just a defensive term. 
It's an offensive turn. If you go to Ephesians chapter number 6, it says to stand, to stand, to stand, and to withstand. Some of that is defensive. I mean, if someone's throwing a blow at you, you've got to have a good defensive stance. But do you realize we're still supposed to be moving forward? The days and the hour we're living in, the perilous times, that ought not hinder us to do God's will. That's what the Bible's teaching us. We ought to continue on. Now, there's two great things we as a church and as individual believers are responsible for. First, we're responsible for the message of God. Now, I'm talking about the gospel message. I'm talking about sound doctrine. Stay with me here for a second. And we're responsible for the ministry of the Word of God. Now, God is sovereign, and He could have chose any other way, but He chose the church. And because He chose the church, you and I, friends, have a responsibility. Now, I want you to hold on a second. Pastors are responsible. Can, can I say this to you? I'm going to stand accountable for every single word that I ever stand from behind this sacred desk. It's not, a, it's not a joke. It's not a play. It's a serious thing that I'm going to stand before God for. And I'm responsible for the things that I teach and the doctrine that I hold and uphold. I absolutely am. But I want you to know this. Not only is it not only pastors to ensure that doctrine is upheld and the Word of God is getting out, but it's a responsibility to you all right down in here. It ain't just the pastors here. It's every single uh, born-again believer in this church. Listen to me. We have a responsibility to ensure that we uphold right doctrine, that we contend for the faith, but that we also ensure that we're ministering and getting the Word of God out. That's a responsibility we have. We're to protect and sustain and further the message and the ministry of God's Word. That's what we're, listen to me, that's what this building's for. No doubt in my mind. I'm right on this 100%. He didn't get us out of the sardine can to come up here just to be comfortable. This was purposed for a reason to grow. That's what we want to do, grow. We want to see people get born again. Families get born again. Like he talked about this morning. See whole families come in here and get born again and serve God together. That's what God intends. We are, think about this, the same picture that you see here. It's night. They got the city surrounded with guards and garrisons to keep Paul and to look to kill him. That's what they wanted to do. We're living in dark days. And listen, we're being persecuted whether we, we, we feel it directly or not. We got a big target on us. We've had one. And, and, and we're, we're, it's not going to get any easier. But I want you to notice this. The call to the church to serve has not changed. And here's what we need. We need a hand. You know what was in that room? There was a bunch of disciples. We don't, we don't know anything about their names. We don't know anything about their abilities. We don't even know anything about the stuff that they had. But they worked together, and they were willing to do whatever it took to continue to let, get Paul down, what was in Paul was God's will, God's word, and God's way. And it was getting ready to go out to all the world. I mean, it was about to turn the world upside down. They didn't even know the ramifications, but can I say something to you? They had a hand in it. And listen to me, every single one of us in here, God has put you here on purpose. We, got, we need a hand in this thing. 
We need a hand in the two things. Here's what we need to do. We need, to, uh, we need a hand with the message of God. Now notice in Acts 9 and 20, it says, And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. Now, that he was going in preaching Christ, preaching the Word of God, and we'll find at the end of his ministry, he told him in one place, he said, I've not withheld anything. I preached the whole counsel of God unto you. Paul preached what he knew here, and he was about to spend three years with God alone to get some more things, and we'll see that in the Word of God, but I want you to grasp this for a second. You and I are responsible to uphold, to sustain, and to further sound doctrine. If every single one of us looked over at someone else and said, they'll do it, we'll lose it. There's a personal responsibility. Now, I want you to be in this. But if you're not, you've got to have a set in your heart to say, I'm going to do it anyways. We have a responsibility. The days that we're in, I know we preach about it all the time, but that's just where we're at. These last days, there's a turning from truth unto fables. 2 Timothy 4 and 4, And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Can I say something to you? They will try to replace the message of God. They will try to change the gospel message. But we're not exempt from that here. That's, this is the message right here. Listen to me. If we do nothing, this will become whatever. If we want it to be a place where honors the Lord where right doctrine is preached and sound doctrine, it, it flows from the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God, where people are instructed in the Word of God on how to grow. Listen to me, that won't happen on accident. It happens with intentional decisions by not only the pastors, the board members, but the congregation. We all got to get a hand on this thing. It's important. They're going to try to replace the message. You can actually tie these two words together. And Jesus said in John 14, 6, and he said, And Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. The word for truth there, if you look up that word, not only in the English, but in the Greek, it's the same word there. And what it really is saying is in these last days, they're going to turn away from him. Religious form of godliness means it looks like something that would resemble it. But here it says they're going to completely turn away from him unto fables, unto untruths. There's a cloak of religion. There's an appearance of power. And these are the days we're in. Jude 4 says, For certain men are crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. That was a warning for the day and the hour we're in today. When Jude penned this down, that was never more relevant than it is at this second right now. Now listen to me. Y'all have a hand in this. You as a church here have a hand in this, in what comes out of this pulpit. Y'all don't act like you believe me, but you do. Let me hold on a second. You better. You better. This ain't a dictatorship here. You, you, you have some, you listen to me, you have some control. You better care what comes out of here. If something comes out that's not sound or not true, hold that ought, I mean, it ought to bother us. You ought to get upset about it. And, and listen to me, stay with me now. You say, why do we got to be this way? Because if we're not, they'll come right in. You got to be on guard. 
you gotta, you got you to have your hand in this thing. Stay when, it's important that you know the Word of God, not just the pastors. You, it, we preach this all the time. You don't offend me by going home and checking to see if what I said was right. They did that to Paul, and Paul said that was a blessing. Paul said these, these Berean people, they, it was a wonderful, God blessed them and gave them a, an honor in the Word of God because they went home, they just didn't say, well, the preacher said... Now listen, I'm not saying you're not trying to trust us. That's not what I'm telling you. But verifying the Word of God, that's, that's right biblical scriptural thinking. That's not being critical of your pastor. That's not what that is. I'm talking about you all, and I'm not talking like y'all don't know that either, so don't say that, but I'm telling you, we need more of a group than we've ever did. We need all hands on deck in this thing. We've got to get a hold of this. We want to keep, listen, we want to keep and stay and what, and what we're in, we want to continue in and grow closer to the Lord. But if we're going to do this, you've got to think about the message that what claims out of this place. I can't speak for any other church. I don't go to any other church. But in this place right here, we preach the greatest message that could ever be preached. Now, I didn't say we was the greatest preachers. That's not what I said. I didn't say that I had the best oratory skills. But let me say something to you. Hey, for Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and he was buried and on the third day rose again according to the Scriptures. You can't get no better than that, sir. I'm talking about that is the greatest message. You say why? Because it not only changes a person's today, it changes a person's eternity. It, it's a message that, I mean, listen, it's a message that will move somebody. It's a powerful message. You, why do we continue to preach the gospel? Well, the Bible said from Romans 1, 16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I, I'm talking about in these days, it's called a glorious gospel. In 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, the glorious gospel of Christ, the word glorious, it means illustrious, it means exalted, it means excellent there isn't anything in the world like the word of God and the glorious message of the gospel and listen it's the only thing that can get the job done there's nothing I mean we could do the community good and I will say this the community's better off for this church being here than it is if it ain't I don't care what they think they're better off because this church is right here and let me say, just by scriptural standards, even if we didn't do anything else in this community, it's better off because the people that go here try to live godly lives. We ought to do that. That makes the community better. But listen to me. As we look here and think about this message, God has set us in this place to not only... Don't... Alert. Say it like this. I get tired of this kind of stuff I hear. Well, it's going to change the world. Now, let me say something to you. The gospel can change the world. It's that powerful. Every single man, woman, boy, or girl on the face of the planet can be saved, should be saved, ought to be saved. There's no reason for someone to die lost and go to hell. And I want you to grasp this, thinking about this, what you and I have been entrusted with. It's not something that's just a temporary, something that goes on for a little bit. We're talking about something you've I've been entrusted with that can make a difference in forever. Now, I can't grasp forever, and you can't either. I mean, I can only really base it. I've been alive 36 years, so that's all I got to really base on. 
And, and I mean, this thing seems like it's speeding up like this. It's going faster than it ever went. But 36 years, some of y'all would say that ain't nothing, right? But I want you to think about this for a second. This church right here has been purposely planted and entrusted with a message from Jesus Christ himself that can literally change someone's forever. Think about the magnitude of that. What you and I have and have been entrusted with Listen to me, because you and I have that, we've got to make sure that we protect the message. We can't deviate. We can't get away from that. That's where we're at in this day. We're in a day of people trying to go other directions. Listen to me. We'll keep preaching the gospel. If they don't want to get saved, it's not the gospel's fault. We, I, we don't need to change things. We can get more people in here. Yep, y'all just, everybody give me $100, we'll put on Facebook. Next Sunday morning, every new visitor that's never been here before, we'll give you $100, this place will be full. Mark it down. Now, they're coming for the money, and you say all kinds of things, listen to me. You know what we need to do? We need to go to them with the gospel. We could gimmick ourselves and get things in here and all that kind of stuff, but what we got to focus on is getting the gospel. And we're taught to go to them. And I'm going to talk about it, but I want you to realize the magnitude of the message we have, not just in the gospel, but the whole counsel of the Word of God. We've been entrusted with sound doctrine. You say, well, what does that have to do with me? I'm not a preacher. What does this have to do? Well, let me say something. How can you protect it? How can you, how can you protect the Word of God to ensure that it stays? Not that you need to protect this, but how you protect it in this place? Well, I'll tell you how you can do it. You learn it. Here's that, you say, well, that's, you were waiting for something bigger than that. Ephesians 4, 13, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. It's not easy to lead someone the wrong way when they know which way they're to go. A child of God should be reading should be studied. These are all things we preach every single week and growing in grace and knowledge. Many are being deceived and churches are turning away from this because they're turning and they're not getting in the Bible. The greatest tool, listen, the church is the pillar and ground of truth. You can find it in 1 Timothy 3 and 5. You know what we're supposed to be. Now, Ashley's back here and, and she does Bible school, right? That's a week of VBS. But let me say something to you. We are to be a Bible school here. That's what we are to be. That for, for everything that we do around this place should be centered around the Word of God and helping people learn it. We're not just trying to give you information. We're, try, we're not just trying to give you the fish. Listen, you can give anybody a fish. We're trying to teach you how to fish. You all you know the illustration of that. We're not just trying to say, well, here's what it says. We're trying to teach you to learn, to let God speak to you and understand and rightly divide the word of truth. We're trying to give you the tools that you can be sound Bible students. You say, why is that? Because if we are sound in truth, and listen, truth is our business here at Roxalana Gospel Tabernacle. But if you're sound in truth, you can protect the truth. 
You, you get in your Bible long enough when you hear something, you, you, this happens, I think, as you get saved. I don't know. I, didn't, I just know what it is. But there's certain times I hear things, and all of a sudden there's a buzzer that goes off in my head. I don't know what it sounds like to you, but it's like, it's like a red, and it's like, ding, 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 hold on. Hold on a second, Josh. And I'm being a little bit funny, but I mean, there's really something that just, hold on a second. Something ain't right. And can I say something to you? The more we get in that book, because listen, they'll be easy. They crept in. That's how they're going. They're creeps. They're going to creep in. They're going to look. Look at the whole scenario. They're going to look like us, sound like us, but in the end, they're going to deny him. That's what the Bible says. Well, how, do you, how are you going to know? Well, you've got to be sound in doctrine. We've got to be people. Closest to the home as I think we are, we need more Bible than we've ever needed. We, we protect it by, by knowing it. We support it by learning it, believing it, and obeying it. If you want to support the Word of God, live it in your life. Colossians 3.16 says this, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. We need a deep, rich, solid knowledge of God's Word. Dwell in this richly. It's, it's, it's not, not a shallow thing, but to grow in it and to let it grow, and not only in what we know, but what we live. Continue to use, as God gives us more truth, continue to, to obey the truth that God gives us. If we stop obeying truth, we'll stop. Jesus said, I quote it to you, but in a, here's how it teaches. I'll have to go back and find the verse. But listen, when we get more light and we obey it, we'll get more light. we got to obey the light that we have, the truth that we know, and God will give us more. And here's another way we do it. If we're going to further it, I enjoyed your testimony this morning, Miss Wanda. I'm glad you said what you said this morning. And you know what? There's been all kinds of people sick. It is. It's just everybody's sick everywhere. And she said, I didn't think we was going to have very many. And they had to have nine adults in there with them 22 preschoolers. Now, yes. Yes. Can I say something to you? 22, I preach in churches that don't have 22 people in them when I preach. I mean, I'm not even talking about a COVID problem. In the last five years, I preached to congregations that don't even have 20 people in the whole church. No kids except mine, and they're always the ones in trouble because they're the only ones there. <laughs> don't take for granted what God's doing in this place. 22, listen to me, that's 22, who, who knows, choir directors, preachers, board members, hey, prayer warriors, got people to witness and win salt. We don't know what's down in there, but God does. And you know how we uh, put a hand in this? You know what we need to do? We need to do everything we can as a church to further the gospel. Psalm 78, 3 through 7 says this. We, listen, we further the message of God by instilling the truth of God's words in the heart of the next generation. Notice it says, what we have heard and known and our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from our children. We're not trying to build them when they get 18. Hold on a second. That class downstairs, the loudest class in the church on Sunday morning, maybe the most important class that we have in this church. Amen. I'm talking about, listen to me, 
We're not waiting to that. The Bible tells us in Psalm 78, he says, showing to the next generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he hath established a testimony in Jacob, appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare to them children that they might say, their hope in God and not forget the works of God but keep his commandments hey for you volunteering and working with our children praise God for it listen to me from the smallest age hey listen be as sound in the Bible as you can we're talking about from the all the way up we want to we want to instill the doctrines of the word of God listen if we don't put it in them the world will surely fill them with it you let the world have your kid's mind, they will take it and run with it. That's the problem we're having now. That's the problem we're having now. We're seeing the attack on our children. There's never been a more uh, focused attack on the young minds of kids who's happened to deal with things I didn't even know about when I was five years old. Some of that stuff I didn't even know about in high school. No wonder kids are confused. They don't know who to trust. This ought to be a place of trust. This ought to be a place that you can come and you can trust. Hey, listen, I thank God for this church. It's our job. To get our hand in. Just like them men did that night. I'm sure they held the rope. I don't know what they held. But they held down. And they knew that the furtherance of the gospel was in that basket right there. Listen, we want to continue to see this. Pl- in 20 years, I, don't, I want them to still have the same books. And if they order new ones, it's just because they wore these out. I want them to still have the same Bible. You don't need another Bible, by the way. Listen to me, this is an excuse of our generation, and we're lazy, but if you say, I don't understand a word, well, get a dictionary. Uh, you can, for $3, you can get a Webster's 1828, and it'll explain it to you. I, I'm right on right now. This, that excuse of, well, we can't understand it because it's old, no, it ain't, you just don't want to work, you want everything easy. Well, studying the Word of God's a laborious thing. A workman. We're in a generation that don't want to work. I see things all the time, and they're crying. They're like, well, I don't know how to do a nine-to-five. I can't do anything else with the rest of my life. Well, join the club, friend. Raise two kids, pastor a church. Listen, let me say something to you. Hey, we got to work at this thing. I'm feeling so good right now. I mean, I'm glad I'm in this church. I'm telling you, I think I'm preaching to a place to continue strengthening what's already happening here. But we need your hands in this thing. You say, well, I'm not. The devil will tell you, you don't don't need all this. Hold on a second. Listen, the Word of God tells us and teaches us you're here for a purpose, and God will use you in this place. There's a reason for you being here. Every single one of us. For the message of God. What's in this book, the doctrines of this book, this is what differentiates us from over 4,000 religions in the world. Just the, just the change, I'm so glad, aren't you glad 
that on the third day that the Bible teaches us that the grave couldn't hold him. I mean, hallelujah to the Lamb right there. I mean, listen, now all them other great ones that they've had in their religions, they've put them down, and let's, well, guess what? They steal down. But there wasn't a person, there wasn't, I, they were worried about people on the outside. The power was always within. On that third day, he rose up. Listen, that differentiates us all because we have a Savior who lives eternally. Not only in the message, we got to hold true to this book. I wish I knew more of it. Listen to me, I, I got a long way to go in this thing. And you do too. Let's be real honest. But I believe with all my heart, and I ain't trying to be mean to you, but I think we can work a little harder at learning the Bible. Talking about me, talking about you. It's important. What they were holding when they held that down, they were protecting, they were sustaining, and they were furthering the Word of God. That's what they were doing right there. But not only do we see that they were doing that with the message of God, they were doing it by the ministry, with the ministry of God. The moment that Paul reached the ground, he went on. Y'all think about that. There was just a, just a short amount of time between that window and that ground. And the moment he got his feet on the ground, you know what he went on to do? He went on to plant churches across the world, crossing all over the Mediterranean Sea. In places, listen, I'm talking about, you know how powerful this gospel is? He went into cities that's been dedicated to paganisms for hundreds of years, built shrines and built idols and built all these things. Their morality was awful, and he went in there with the gospel, and the Bible tells us they turned the world upside down. I'm talking about it changed people's lives that only God they ever knew was dying of Ephesus, and all they knew was the unknown God there at Mars Hills. But there was a man who was let down in a basket one day that was carrying a message to say, listen, y'all's worshiping a God you don't know, but I know him, and I want to tell you who he is. His name is Jesus, and he died on the cross for your sin, and on the third day he rose again. And if you believe that, you can be saved. He went on to plant churches. He went on to win souls. Think about this. Every person. Paul, now the gospel's not about Paul. Paul called it my gospel because God gave him the revelation. He doesn't own the word of God. That's not what he's saying. But it was through him that we have 14 books of the New Testament. I mean, the book of Romans. Think about that. That is the plan of salvation laid out there. Think about all the people since Paul's died that's been saved because they heard the gospel from a book that he probably pinned down from a jail cell. Think about it for a second. This was in the basket. This was in the, those men thought they might have, they, you know what, I don't know what in their minds that they thought was going to come from this. They loved Paul, they knew Paul was serving the Lord, and they wanted to do what they could to help him and honor God, but I don't know that they knew the magnitude that was getting ready to come out. When they let that man down in that basket, that 14 books of the Bible was going to be pinned down, and multitudes of people were going to hear the gospel that come pinned out of this book and be saved. We need your hand in this thing. That's what we need. We need your hand in this thing. Listen. He went on to invest and strengthen young preachers to mature preachers. I love the book of 2 Timothy. There's such a 
I don't, I, I can't really explain it, but there's such a compassion from the old preacher to the young preacher. He lived his life to the very fullest of his ability to the will of God as an example to that young man. He did it to Titus as well. But you see that in 2 Timothy. He wanted God to continue to get glory long beyond his life. It ought to be the desire. Go back to the Old Testament. David was not allowed to build the temple. Now David had some mess-ups in the later end of his life, but you know what he did with the last years of his life? He invested in a building he would never see. He gave of his own personal things. He encouraged other people to give. He, got, he did everything he could that the moment that Solomon become king, that he would have everything he need to honor and glorify God. It was in his heart to do that. Can I say something to you? If this was our last one, you ought to have a desire in your heart to know if you're not sitting in this seat that someone's going to be listening to the same Bible, preaching about the same Jesus, glorifying and honor and worshiping the Lord the way we ought to. That, that ought to be in our heart. We I want to leave this place the very best we can. Churches are dying all around. They're closing doors. I even had this in my notes, Greg Carney. I did have this in my notes. They're closing their doors on evening services. Well, I'm glad we have church here. I wouldn't have somewhere to preach if I didn't. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. I'm talking about we got to get more. You know what we're... Tuesday night service here. That's so much the more as you see the day approaching. That's more. Listen, not only did it help you to, have, to live with the assurance and the confidence in, in what Jesus did at Calvary. You don't have to live so up and down about your salvation all the time. But it's scriptural. So much the more as you see the day approaching. We've been anywhere from 20 to 30 people on a Tuesday night and still have 150 on a Wednesday night. Hallelujah. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. We want to, listen to me, if you want to protect this church, some of the testimonies and the things tonight that was said in this place line up with this message. If you want to protect what God's doing here and, and, and the continue of that, you know what you're going to have the first thing you're going to have to do? You're going to have to serve in it. Y'all didn't get with me on that. I'm not talking about the person beside you. I'm preaching right to you right now. You're going to have to serve in it. If you want it to continue, if you want to see this continue to grow and go in those directions and sustain and protect, if you want those things, you're going to have to serve in this place. You're here to serve. Now this, it ain't about what this church can do for you. I'm right on right now. It ain't about what this church can do for your family and do these things. It's about what you can bring to this church and to the Lord. Listen, you'll get blessed by serving here. But I'm saying, we come here, we ought to come here and want to give all we got to God. If we're going to keep this thing, we're going to have to have all hands in, we're going to have to serve in it. Here's a way you can support the ministry of this church by faithfully attending it. I, I, 
You can get mad if you want to. That's okay. Well, let me say something to you. I'm going to say it this way. You ought to be in Sunday school. I wouldn't say you should come to Sunday school. Yeah, you should. No, you ought to be here. If you're a member of Roxalana Gospel Tabernacle, let me say something to you. We're expecting you to come in. I know there's days it's hard. I got two kids. I know the craziness of all the things that come on. But there ain't no excuse for you not to really come and come faithfully. I'm right on. Now, this is getting, don't get hard on me now. I'm right. There's times we can't make it, but you ought to be faithful to Sunday school. I'm glad for when all the people come in at that other time, but listen to me. Go to bed earlier. Drink coffee. There's things you can do to help you get here. Yeah. I mean, Greg Carney drives almost 40, 50 minutes from, from where he lives and gets here on Sunday. He better get here on Sunday school. Hold on. Listen to me. I'm right right here. Hey, there's an expectation. If you're a member of this church, you ought to come here. When we look around and sometimes we're wondering, I mean, yeah, I know in this, I've learned this in seven years. At one minute till, I still ain't nervous about this group. Now, about five seconds till, I start to get a little bit nervous. But about one minute till, I still realize that 75% of you is coming in. You're probably all in the elevator coming up the stairs, but you're here on the grounds. I grasp that. But I'm talking about I thank God for what's going on on Wednesday night. But I like to see 158 here on a Sunday evening. Yeah. And we're coming up to it, so go ahead while you're already mad at me. You, listen, you better be here every night of the revival, too. You ought to change your plans. I know there's times, listen, I'm not sitting here so definite. I know there's times, listen, if you got the flu, stay home. Amen, stay home. If you got the flu, do not come to this church if you got the flu. Wait till you get better. But there's a week of scheduled meetings here for the members of this church especially. I'm glad for visitors to come in. But we ought not have a huge group of, of uh, percentage of visitors that makes up most of the population on each service night. It ought to be our people. You want to support what's going on here, you better come faithfully. Our purpose here in Dunbar is to, is to bring men to Christ and build Christ in men. Let me say something to you. I'm already, I'm already here. I've already got you mad. So let me ask you a question. Are you invested in the purpose? That's a good question. Now, we invest. I don't know your life, but I can say this. You're investing in something. We invest in everything. Our energy. I'm not just talking about money. That's not what I'm talking about. I mean, that's a part of it. But we invest in things. What you do with your time and your life and the direction of your life, you're investing in something. Let me ask you, are you investing in the purpose of this church? This is maybe what we needed tonight. And I'm not being mean. This, we got a lot of great things going on here. So don't take me. I'm not preaching down to you. But I also don't want us to get comfortable. Well, we're just doing the best, you know, we're just doing what we can. We can get real comfortable and go through the motions of this thing. Ask yourself this question. Am I investing in the purpose of the church that I'm a member of? Keep it. 
with you. Think about it. I'm not being mean. You know what these men did? We don't know everything that they used in this scenario. Could have been a rope. We do know it was a basket. But they used what they had for the purpose of protecting, sustaining, and furthering the ministry. For all I know, they could have, they could have got out and tied T-shirts together. Had an old T-shirt drawer. I don't, know who's, I don't know whose house they were in. There's a lot of things we don't know, but this is what I do know. They invested their energy, their efforts, and all that they could do to safely get them, get Paul down in that basket. That's the question for us. And maybe you are right now, and that's good, and I pray that's the thing. But we want to continue that. You know how you can further the church? By bringing others to it. It's, you know what? There's been a lot of people been saved because someone brought them in this place. Think back in the last... I mean, we've had some to show up that we've never known anybody get born again, and that's wonderful. But there's people that sit in this congregation that you're saved because someone at this church invited you to church. Yeah. We ought to invite, we ought to bring others here. We ought to, we ought to do all we can to bring others in. There are some things that's worth getting a hold of, and this is one of them. This, when this is over, nothing else matters. It really don't. I mean, I enjoy my life. God's been good to me. I'm thankful. There's, there's a lot of things that we can get caught up and tied in. I mean, there's things we enjoy and all that kind of stuff. But look, when it all is said and done, what we've done for the Lord is all that's going to matter. That's it. And it's easy to get tied up and, 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 and so to speak, distracted off of those things. But when it's over, that's it. Now here I'm going to end on this. You want to further and strengthen and support. Here's one of the greatest things you can do, and listen to me. Every single one of us that's been saved can do this. And that's the labor of prayer. I'm going to read a scripture to you, and I want to point out a line in it. Colossians 4 and 12, Paul writing, he says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. That needs, this whole, that needs a whole message, but I just want you to grasp this. Paul said, who is one of you? You know what the devil will say? Oh, well, it don't matter, you don't matter. Hold on a second. Paul said there was a man here by the name of Epaphras, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but that's what we're going with. And he said, he's, he's one of you all. If we were to say that over here, what I'm saying is, he's, a, he's an RGT, and he's, he's an RGTite. Just sits in the seats that you sit in, worships in the same, goes to the same class. This, he, he said, he's just one of you. That's what he's saying. And he labors fervently in prayer. Now notice this. 
that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. One of the greatest, listen to me, one of the most important things in ministries that often in the time of gets overlooked and things like that is the one that's done in a prayer closet somewhere. I believe with all my heart, some year, I've looked back through the years and I've, there's people that I've just went to church with and I believe they were holding up the church in their prayer closet. When things was difficult, things was tough, there was somebody, la- notice, laboring. That's what it says. Laboring in prayer. He was praying for his brothers and sisters in Christ. What that means we make application that it means is that he was literally doing all he can to help sustain the ministry and the message of the Word of God. He was preaching that, that the pastors would, would understand the Word of God and, and, and preaching all that they'd have the power of God on them. And he was praying for the Sunday school teachers. That You know what's amazing is look, look how we've had so many grow into new positions. And you know what? Don't stop praying for them. Continue to pray that they grow. And as they get in the Word of God, that those underneath of them grow. There's people that... that I believe with all my heart that we don't necessarily see their ministry, but they're holding this thing. Great importance here. He's just one of you. Well, that, that brings it down to right here. What, 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 what that was saying was he may not have had a big bunch of letters at the end of his degree, he, he, may, he may not have been all these things that we look at and say, well, I can't do this and I can't do that. But what he could do, he could get in touch with God. And he sat around in the same seats that he was, in the same people he was sitting around. Pray you help Brother David as he works there in his place, helping to witness the word of God. Just right in among them. Help Miss Betty. Strengthen Miss Betty. She talks to her neighbors about the Lord. Help Pastor Tom, Miss Debbie. Strengthen him as he does his radio ministry. Help him, Lord. Help his body. How we've prayed for Tom's body. I mean, he's healthier than I am. I'm serious. I'm talking about right in the pews. I'm not trying to be weird, but I'm proving a point right here. Down in the middle of, right in here, right in here, let me say something to you. There was somebody holding up the ministries of the church in their prayer closet. It didn't say he had a great oratory skill. It didn't say that, but he knew how to get in God. He'd been born again. He'd been saved, and he said, I'm going to give my life to ministry of the Word of God. You know, there's some of you all that may not be able to go out and door knock, but you may be able to knock on the door of heaven for us. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm talking about, listen to me, I want you to realize right down in here, right in the middle of these seats, you play a purpose, you have a purpose here, and you have a powerful influence. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much on the ministry of this church, on the souls that are saved, on the children that's learning in the teeth, down in the Sunday school classes, right down in here. I don't want to forget y'all over here. I ain't forgot y'all on this side. Pray for Joe and Lonella. They, they teach our kids singing about the Lord. What happens in here on these youth services ain't by accident, by the way. Can I just minister for a minute? I know I'm getting long, but I just want to preach here for a second. Praying for those who are burdened. You think about how 
I mean, I can just sit here and testify how you guys have held me up through the burdens of life, praying for our brethren. Praying when new people come around, they'll keep coming back. I'm talking about this is your ministry right here. To one of the, the most important works we do happens in our prayer closet. This man was upholding the will. He was upholding the people that they could be uh, complete and perfect. That they'd have everything that they need to do God's will. What I'm trying to say, come on, Judy. Is we need a hand tonight. We need your hand. To continue to see God working here. I believe there's more for us, Tom. Don't you dare take that I'm sitting down here saying, listen to me. This is a wonderful church. We're not perfect. So I'm not saying that. We're not perfect. And I believe, I believe that there's a maturity here and a desire here for the Word of God. You know, everywhere you go, it, it's not always easy to preach. I mean, y'all... Maybe if you made it harder, I wouldn't preach so long sometimes. But it's free here. I'm complimenting you all on the attention and the affection that you give the Word of God. That's a wonderful thing. We're in a place that's purpose to set apart. I'm, I'm trying to compliment you here. We're in, a, we're in a place, our board meetings are as good as some church services I've been in. I mean that. Y'all think we're crazy down there. We laugh, we joke, we kid. I mean, sometimes the Spirit of God moves in there. There's been tender moments. Powerful. I mean, to watch. I'm not up here on Wednesday night, but downstairs to watch the rotation, the working together, the willingness. When one can't make it to the nursery that someone says, I'll step up and go. I see these things as a pastor, and I watch downstairs. I don't sit downstairs and worry. Well, I don't walk by every class and say, well, we got a teacher in here tonight. We got someone in here. No, no, no. What, I, what I'm watching is people that care and love the Lord and desire to want to see others be saved and know the Lord and walk with Him. That's a wonderful thing. But I do believe this. There's more for us even in this hour. There's room for me to grow, Tom. There's room for me to grow. So much room for me to grow. And there's room for you to grow. I may not do any more things, but I can grow in the things that I am doing. And I want to tell you, church, what they held down, let down in that basket, went out and affected all kinds of people. I believe if we'll apply the same principles, it'll make an impact in these last days. If we're here for another 10 years and just one person got saved and we stayed faithful, listen to me, worth every single thing. You say, why is that? For what shall it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his soul if it was just for one? Let's bow our heads tonight.